This is a HeadGum Podcast. If there's something preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Conveniently connect in a safe and private online environment, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling, and you can send a message to your counselor anytime. Um, now, uh, normally for these ads, we like to bring in the Butterman from Pearl Jam's song, Can't Find the Butterman, whose site, BetterHelp.com, will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional dairy pissed. Uh, but he's asked me to take this time to really flesh out the character we've developed for Butterman's arch nemesis, mean Mr. Margarine, uh, which we haven't been able to get to work over the last few spots. Uh, so we can kind of do a, a story arc reboot next time and, and really get this thing going. So I'm going to use the copy I have in front of me as a jumping off point, and then we'll see where we are. Okay, so with BetterHelp, you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Great. Um, so that makes me think that one of me and Mr. Margarine's traits is that he is neither timely nor thoughtful, and you can't schedule weekly sessions with him. Uh, with me and Mr. Margarine, a session will just diabolically appear on your calendar when you thought you had a free day to binge watch The Great British Bake Off. Okay. With better help, you never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. And that's... That's actually what Mean Mr. Margarine's evil castle looks like when he captures you. It's a waiting room, and the only magazine they have is Margarine Weekly. And if you read too much of it, it exacerbates any existing problems you have with depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, or self-esteem. BetterHelp, of course, has licensed professional counselors who are specialized in these matters, and anything you share is confidential. With Mean Mr. Margarine... Everything you share is confidential, too, actually. So that is a point of similarity. BetterHelp is convenient, professional, and affordable. And mean Mr. Margarine has a convenient, professional, and affordable radiation device that he's going to use to turn the moon into a spreadable oil-based emulsion, which will eventually cause the planet to spin out of orbit and freeze, bringing about the untimely end of everything we've ever known. Okay, I think we're really getting somewhere now. Um, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash babysitters. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash babysitters. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book. What became a call? Now it's time the Babysitter's Club Club. Tanner, we're recording our podcast. We're recording our podcast. We were supposed to start one hour ago. We're starting Don't now. Get hung up on. Nobody likes it when you talk about the details of our scheduling. You, Jack mm-hmm. Shepard, mm-hmm. are still here in Brooklyn, New York, which is why the audio quality of this one sounds. A little shitty, <laughs> baby nation. It's because Jack is sitting in my massive echoey kitchen slash living room with my 15-foot ceilings. The very seats we were sitting in when we recorded Claudia and Mean Janine. Here we are again. Here we are again. And so we've come no, that, oh, 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 oh. to ah, the ah, end ah, ah. of the road. We haven't. Still no, no, no. 
Okay. I see what you're doing. You're not talking over me singing so that you can cut it. Right. But I'm not going to, I'm just going to keep singing. It's no, no, no. No, listen, we talked, fucking talked about this. There will be no singing. There will be no singing today. Hey, Tanner. Hi, hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, a podcast in which I, Tanner Greenring, am the co-host to me, Jack Alexander Shepard. So here's the thing is like, I went first that time and you could have easily matched my construction no, and I, done what you always want to do, no. which is parallel construction. And you didn't. You whiffed. <laughs> you could have said, and I, Jack Shepard. Well, you really threw me off my fucking game. It's all you ever want in the world, man. Let's start from the beginning. Let's not. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's hi. Club. Club. Come on, man. Not, not engaging with you on this. I won't. I shan't. Just... Do me a favor. Mm. I'll leave your boys to men in at the beginning. Mm-hmm. When I do the edit, uh-huh. if you will indulge me and say club along with me club. in this rare occasion, Tanner, where we're viva voce. Oh, you can't even... Because we're viva voce, mm. there's a lot of bleed. Your mic is three feet from my mic. There's a lot of potential for crosstalk. And you can't even isolate me saying club and artificially insert it over you saying club. This is... Which is your game, which is oh, your Oh, and trick. so your, your game is that even when we have an opportunity to interface, literally interface, mm-hmm. you still want to rely on audio wizardry no. and your, your tools and your robots. I want it to be raw. Your, I want to raw dog this your one. AIs. I want to raw dog this episode. Just say club with me. Club. I've with said it me. like six times. Hi, hi, and welcome. welcome. to No, just Sorry, club. I just... Just... Say. I was watching your lips, waiting for club, and I got caught up. In okay, it. just say club with me. Yeah, hi, hi, club. and with you me. mean with you? Yeah, yeah. Hi, hi, hi. Scott. Oh, 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 gosh, I'll, I'll do it the right this time. Only say club with me. Yep. But do I say just get club. Excited. I get excited. Okay. Yep. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitters Club. Club. Oh. Did you say it? I hit it real soft. Can we do it again? Yeah. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitters Club. 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 A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard. And I'm Tanner Greenring. <laughs> <sighs> and I'm Jack Shepard. David McMullen is an Australian socialist economist, mm, economist who contends that global economic development in the 21st century will prove the necessary material basis for a classless, post-capitalist society. Talk about the classic novels of The Princess, The Prince of Town, St. Annabelle, Matthews, Martin, Stormborn, Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats, First of Her Name, Last of Her Kind, Last Hope for Humankind. This week we read a little book that was called Marianne and the Little Princess. It was dedicated to a man named David McMullen. Who's that, I forgot that you hadn't done... I forgot that you hadn't done the whole Anna and Martin thing. Did you not see me almost literally exploding on the spot? And then I just went right into David McMullen, mm-hmm. who is an Australian socialist mm-hmm. economist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who contends that global economic development in the 21st century will provide the necessary material basis for classist post-capitalist society. Well, you want to know what's fucking weird is that there's a char- main character of this book this week mm? has this like strongly anti-globalist sentiment. Oh, um, Victoria. Victoria. Vic. Vic. Victoria, Victoria Kent, the little princess herself. Did you catch this? Mm, I mean, yeah, it's like her big thing. 
Victoria nodded, forever and ever. I wish my parents never had to go away on their silly jobs to those silly countries. I absolutely hate the United Nations. <laughs> That's like a typical Brit kind of attitude, though, about the world, right? You're British. Yeah, it's very it, British imperialism. Yeah, you're a colonist. Yeah, so maybe it's not like an isolationist perspective uh, that cavils at the idea of countries getting together and establishing trade boundaries. It's more of a imperialist British sentiment. Sun uh, never sets. I guess there are those who might say that she's saying it because her parents work at the United Nations and don't ever have time to see her. Potentially. But yeah. it could also just be this strong sort of xenophobic streak. Yeah. Can I tell you a bit of this novel that backs up your fun, anti-globalist, racist, xenophobic? Yeah, I wanted novel. to get this started on kind of a fun note. A little bit of that. Uh-huh. Um, it happens to be my... Burn of the Week! You brought us here. This is your fault. May I approach the bench? Mm-hmm. Your Honor... We're going to take a brief recess. Your Honor? Yes. I fucking hate this. Yeah. The burn of the week is usually what we do at the end of the podcast. We have descriptions that we like to do first. Tell people Miss, about the... Mrs. Wuppertin Wait, is we're... not quite so old. <laughs> Victoria. Oh, by the way, Victoria's a little princess. She's a charge. She's in Stony Brook. Her hey, Tanner, are you nations. starting to realize why we do descriptions? Knelt the by the dollhouse, holding one of the dolls... She's flying to Brussels tomorrow, so quick, quick, she must kiss Dolly goodbye. I, being Marianne, sat down next to Victoria. Who's this? I asked, picking up a primly dressed woman. She's Dolly's fat old nanny. (laughs) Put her down. She has to clean, clean, clean. (laughs) I glanced towards the door. Fortunately, Miss Rutherford, uh, Victoria's nanny, was nowhere in sight. Hmm, can I be the doctor? Oh, no, he's frightfully busy at the laboratory. The nurse? You're far too young. Victoria wouldn't let me be the housekeeper or the older sister or the dog either. I even suggested becoming an imaginary American friend named Rachel. To that, Victoria said, Dolly absolutely can't stand Americans. Don't worry, when it comes to kids, my ego is pretty strong. I figured Victoria was just letting out her insecurity about being in a new country. Well, I said, Rachel feels bad about that. She would love to meet someone from England. Oh, of course she would, Victoria said. Everyone does. (laughs) Burn on you, America. Yeah, I found that highly relatable. I found this character who... (laughs) I know you did. I hope we're going to dig into a little bit more when we describe the contents of this novel. Her parents are um, dignitaries. Um, I found her to be highly relatable. Yeah. And what do your parents do? They're diplomats. Diplomats. Well, my dad is. Yeah. So pretty similar. Very similar. Moved to America as a boy. Yeah, on a G4 visa. Mocked for your accent. So Mm -hmm. you forced yourself to change it. Refuse to make new friends, and only your only friends were your dolls, the Whoppertons. Here's a passage that I just highlighted, and I was like, I'm not going to talk about this, but I'm going to read this quietly to myself when I cry myself to sleep at night. <laughs> I couldn't help laughing. You want to sound like an American, Victoria? But your accent is so beautiful. Hardly. All the children at school seem to find it silly. They giggle so every time I speak. Now, when that you, was a little close to home. You just did an English accent for Victoria. I'm doing a character. But you here's what you did is you did 
an English accent as though an American were doing it, mm-hmm. like I did. Right. But you're actually English. Right. You could just do the English accent. This is a novel that was written by Peter Larandis, an American, right. who was imagining what and his Pete, English character might say. Pete, I love you. Yeah. But we get that you know that the English have other words for things. Well, I think they just let Pete... This is like one for Pete this week. <laughs> Normally, he does a lot of research, and his character Bibles this week were off the fucking charts. Oh, yeah. But I some of that. they let him get away with doing no research on what English people actually say. Like, the dialogue in this book is like, Victoria, the little princess comes in and is like, Jolly Todgers! Yeah. <laughs> Let's take the lorry to the football pitch and get some bangers. <laughs> Like, it's not a joke. Like, yeah. <laughs> every word that the English have for a thing that's different from the American word for it, yeah. Pete explores. Yeah. <laughs> like, Victoria says yeah. it. Yeah. There's a lot of schedule versus schedule mm-hmm. talk. Tanner, I was thinking maybe what about if we describe the novel? Oh, you didn't do your burn, though. Oh, yeah. I am nothing if not a stickler for procedure, which you is like why. You like to stick to the schedule. I like to stick to the schedule. Which is why I am upset that we're doing Burn of the Week this early before we describe the book. But here we are. You've brought us here. This is where we are. My burns are also on Miss Rutherford by Victoria. Her nanny. Her nanny. Here's one. Miss Rutherford, Victoria called out. We're ready. Tell George to bring around the car. Jump to it. Miss Rutherford appeared in the doorway, her eyebrows raised high, her fists on her hips. Yes, your majesty. Perhaps I can prepare a flying carpet to take you to the garage. With that, she stomped away. She thinks she's quite funny, Victoria said, springing up from the floor. I find her tremendously boring. (laughs) Come along. That's a biting British sense of humor. Yeah, tremendously boring. (laughs) She's cool, though. I like Mrs. Rutherford. She's an interesting character and one that the Baby Nation and new listeners would have a lot more context for. Had we described this novel, a mistake we are about to rectify for you totally good (laughs) we're doing fun english accents this week i think there's no avoiding that yeah i'll do my very tip-top best gav jolly todgers (laughs) i love eating bangers crumpets and marmite please governor tanner i would like for you and for me to begin describing this novel right now i would like to personally begin you go first and we'll after you're done Mm -hmm. we'll have you do it. We'll take it in. We'll mm-hmm. take in your the job you did. Okay. And we'll decide whether or not it's necessary for me to do it as well. Okay, that sounds good. And then, once we've decided, I'll put 60 seconds on this big back clock, and we'll have you describe the novel within those 60 seconds. Tanner, I would like to begin. Potentially, but yes. Yeah, and, but I would say definitely. And I will begin describing this novel with your permission, sir. It's HQ. It's 9 o'clock. That's what that buzz was. It's HQ. It's time to play HQ. Okay. Play or? No, it's time to okay. record our podcast. I'm not going to play. Excuse me? We're not going to play, baby. Nation. We're not, not going to play HQ. Tanner, I would like to describe this novel. Please. Please do. If Marianne there is and anybody Ms. who has Chris. any objections or reasons why I should not describe this novel right now, please come forward at this time or forever. I object. Okay. Boring. <laughs> Overruled. Our podcast is supposed to be entertaining. Uh, uh, Your Honor, may I approach the bench? Please approach the bench. Our podcast is supposed to be entertaining, Mm -hmm. and um, describing the books is boring. Overruled. Okay. (laughs) Sustained. (laughs) I'm going to begin describing this novel right now. Born into royalty and raised into privilege, wealth, and power, Princess Victoria Kent has the whole world at her fingertips. 
But when she meets Marianne Spear, a commoner who makes ends meet with the little money she can scrape together by looking after children in her small township, Victoria begins to realize that despite her incredible riches, she is a pauper compared with Marianne, whose kind heart and generous spirit have brought her a different kind of wealth that comes with community, friendship, and a love of the simple things in life. This powerful and uplifting story about an unlikely friendship between two women from completely different worlds is a beautiful reminder that the greatest privilege of all is the privilege of being known and understood. The greatest wealth is the wealth that comes from fellowship. And the greatest power is the power to let go of ourselves and love someone else. Marianne. Baby Nation, I can report to you live from Tanner Greenring's house where I'm looking at him that he was not paying attention while I said that and does not appear to be paying attention now. Let's see how he responds to dead air. Should I do mine or? Yep. You want to just jump right into it? Um, Yeah, I guess. I mean, just normally we do a little banter about my description, what you thought of it. Oh, I loved it. Okay. Thanks. I thought it was so good. Okay. I really um, engaged with it. Okay. Your Honor, may I approach the bench? Yeah. Uh, I don't think you listened to it. No. <laughs> I mean, you're right here with me. You saw me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just wanted that entered into the record. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. The, the little bench conferences are not. The stenographer is not oh. writing any of this down. Can we have it entered into the record? No. Okay. I would hate for the baby nation to know that I'm not paying attention. Well, I feel like now we're going to release this and everyone's going to be like, oh man, because they can't see us. Those just like, think I thought your description was great. Mm, it didn't and sound like I really it. engaged with it. Okay. <sighs> okay. Tanner. Yep. We're back. Yep. As far as anyone knows, you enjoyed my description. Did you not, sir? Loved it. Oh, gosh. Okay. Just so good. And now, <clears throat> for the first time, Live from Brooklyn, New York, mm. babies and gentlemen, mm. during the most scintillating and exciting 60 seconds of your life, you are going to have described to you a Babysitter's Club novel by the one, the only, Tanner Daniel Greenring. Y'all ready for this? Tanner. Yeah. I'm starting the clock right now. Okay, so Marianne is in Stony Brook with her friends, and they are at Christie's house, and they see someone moving into a big mansion nearby. Try to match the energy of my intro to you. Uh, yep, yep, yep. And then, uh, so they're like, oh, who's this? Who's this? There's a limo. It, it all seems very exciting. Um, Marianne's like struggling because her dad's in Milwaukee and she's feeling very lonely and also Sharon is feeling very lonely and misses Dawn and it's almost Thanksgiving and everyone's feeling very like homesick and, and sort of family oriented and, and Sharon's trying to like turn Marianne into Dawn in a weird way. Um, and just as all this is happening, um, the, uh, future Smiths bring Seer L back from the future to live in our current present uh, the daughter of Lois Lane and Superman and they decide to move into 
Stony Brook, Connecticut, where CRL um, time. What that wasn't that wasn't that was sixty seconds. Mm-hmm. I feel like I barely that wasn't sixty seconds. You want to you want to tie it up with a bow? I mean, I guess. What happens like, to CRL? CRL lives in our current day. She's sent back from the by the Future Smiths, mm-hmm. and she she lives as Superman and Lois Lane's daughter, Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And that happened in this novel. Yeah, there's a whole there's about a the whole, Kents. The Kents. There's a whole segment about the Kents. Yes. They see this limo pulling up. They see this moving truck pulling up. And everyone's like, oh, who's that? Who's that? And someone's like, oh, I heard their name is the Kents. And here, I'll just read you the passage. Okay. Yeah. By the time we'd all caught up to Christy, she had cornered one of the moving guys. He was holding the flyer, looking at it as though it were written in ancient Urdu. And we have a special introductory offer, Christy was saying. An hour free with the first job and a money-back guarantee. Well, uh, I don't have kids, the guy replied. It's not for you. Please leave it for the family that's moving in. You don't know their names, do you? The man peeked into the truck and checked a packing label. Kent. Linny raised an eyebrow. Like Clark? That's Superman, David Michael said. Superman's moving into this house? Henny asked. Linny let out a deep, exasperated breath. Superman doesn't have a Madeline doll. Maybe he has a daughter, Logan suggested. Hmm. We'll have to charge extra, Christy said. We've never had to sit for a kid who could fly. Huh. And Superman does have a daughter, and her name is CRL, and she was sent back from the future by the Future Smiths. Is Supergirl Superman's daughter? Well, so here's where it gets a little tricky. Oh. I'm glad you asked. I walked right into that, didn't I? Yes. Super. There are several Supergirls, mm-hmm. okay? CRL, Mm-hmm. The daughter of Lois Lane and Clark Kent, set back from the future by the Future Smiths, mm-hmm. is one of many Supergirls. Mm-hmm. There's also Kara Zor-El, who is, I think, a cousin mm-hmm. of Superman's? She is in the TV show. That my She's wife the watched. one from the TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're talking about like the mid-aughts into the 2010s character, Cyril. Superman's future daughter. Yeah. Here, I'll show you a quick picture. Ooh, okay. Oh, she looks cool, actually. She is cool. Yeah. Um, she dies. Oh, shit. Uh, well, no, this is the description. You got, you got through to the end of the book, right? You might as well just say what happens. Oh, no, sorry. She doesn't die. She's good. What a roller coaster. What a roller coaster. Cheryl. Cyril. She goes by Cheryl. Okay. Or Victoria. Good. Or Vic. Does she go by Victoria? Vic In Kent. this novel. Yep. Yeah, it was an interesting choice by Sweet Pete and Anne. This week, we've talked about Superman a lot in the past. We know that Anne and Sweet Pete are fans of the Superman mythos. Mm-hmm. So it's not a huge surprise. Yep. And I have to allow it because that conversation did happen and it was oh, never. Sorry. Yep. Okay. Cyril does throw herself into a time portal to prevent herself from ever being born and thus prevents the future from ever occurring. <laughs> Suck it, future Smiths. Yeah. <laughs> um,. Well, what a roller coaster. I feel like I barely got to know her. And then she died, was born again, and then was never born in the first place. Yep. Um, Tanner. Yeah. I'd like to introduce a hot new segment. Um, not comfortable with that. Okay. May I approach the bench? Yeah. Uh, Your Honor. Yep. I feel like when I say I'd like to introduce a hot new segment, that's like actually rhetorical, and it's my way of actually introducing the segment, and I'm not sure... Given you weren't asking for my permission. I'm a sovereign citizen, am I not? 
I reluctantly have to agree that you are. And I feel like I'm free to introduce a hot new segment. I reluctantly agree. Thank you. Sustained. Tanner, I'd like to introduce a hot new segment. I'll allow it. (laughs) I want to call this, and I feel like we can pull the audio of the person saying it as the way of introducing the segment. What person? The person who says it in the thing that we're going to pull the audio from. Okay. It's called Mr. Gray Will See You Now. Mr. Gray Will See You Now. Okay. (laughs) It's from um, the fun sex romp. (laughs) The like S&M sex romp. Yeah. 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 I'm into it. What do you think? I'm engaged. Yeah. Mr. Gray will see you now. Yeah. Welcome. 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 Isn't there a thing that you say? Welcome to my my sex dungeon? No. What do you say? I don't... Do you mean you? If you're Mr. Gray, what do you say? Oh, um... I'll introduce you to a world of pleasure and pain, the likes of which you've never known before. I think that's Pinhead. Who are you talking about? Well, at the moment, tangentially, I'm talking about Christian Gray. And I think what he says is... I'm pulling it up. Hey, before you come into this room, I should tell you something about this room. It's kind of weird. I think that's what he says. I think that's the quote. Christian Gray secret room. Tanner, I'd like to move on. It's just behind this door. It's just behind this door. And you say, what is? What is? What is? My playroom. My playroom. And then you say, like your Xbox and stuff? Like your Xbox and stuff? It's important that you know you can leave at any time. And you say, why? What's in there? Why? What's in there? I meant what I I said. said. The helicopter is on standby (laughs) to take you wherever you want to go. And then you say, Christian, just open the door. Christian, just just open open the the door. door. That's, I guess, the quote. But for this segment, what I'll say is, Alan, just open the door. Alan, just open the door. Yeah. And you mean Alan Gray? My tastes are very... Singular. Alan Cray, we'll see you now. (laughs) (laughs) Is that? Wait, is Christian Gray Alan Gray? Likely. Spelled differently. G-R-E-Y versus G-R-A-Y. There's obvious resonance. But there's obvious resonance. There's obvious resonance. And I could see the age is about right. Christian Gray's in his like 30s. Alan Gray is 13 in 1996. Yeah. And he's a debonair young man who likes nothing more than to play. But a little mischievous. Games of power and dominance. Ooh. I think we just blew the lid right off of Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah. Baby Nation. 50 you Shades- all thought it had started as a Twilight fan fiction? <laughs> nope. BSC fan fiction. Oh, my God. You know who the main female character of Fifty Shades of Grey is? Who? Named? What? Do you know her name? No. Anastasia. What? Wait, what? Fifty Shades of Grey is the story of Alan Gray and Stacey McGill. This is big. 20 years in the future. Yeah. After they've both moved to Seattle and become sex perverts. It makes so much sense. Sorry, that's kink shaming. Sex enthusiasts. (laughs) Aren't we all? Kind of seems like we're midway through your hit new segment. Yeah. Mr. Gray will see you now. Yeah. We've tapped into another segment called... I be freely. The very fortunately named (laughs) segment in which we explore intellectual property theft. Right. Yeah. And I guess fanfic is a little bit dicey. It's like, is it intellectual property theft? Is it is it an homage? But like when you're E. L. Hughley, that's not right. That's pretty close. (laughs) E. L. James. E. L. James. Yeah. Uh and you've made a billion dollars off of your thinly veiled BSC fanfic yeah. that you were too embarrassed to admit was BSC fanfic. And you're like, uh, it's b- 
uh, Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Fanfic. <laughs> then we have yeah. a problem because now you're taking food out of Anne's mouth and you're taking it out of Pete's mouth. Yeah. And that. And you're putting it in Twilight's mouth. Yeah. And when you do that, you have a problem with Jack and Tanner. Right. Yeah. So back to your segment. Right. <laughs> Mr. You know, Gray, we'll see you now. Alan Gray's in this book. Yeah. He has a really great comedic turn. He does. He's really good. Mr. Gray, we'll see you now. Kind of a bit of a. Bowler of the week. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what I'm realizing now is that Mr. Gray will see you now is just baller of the week, but only but- if it applies to Alan Gray. <laughs> right? Yeah. Can I read this section? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me try to set the scene for you because. Uh, we haven't done a great job of talking about all the characters in this book. There's a wonderful character called... CRL. Well, see, yeah. And also, Tanner spent 30 seconds of his 60-second description of this novel talking about some pretty obscure Superman arcana. Mm-hmm. I didn't... I mean, Anne and Pete did that, not me. It's okay. It just means we have to do a little bit of extra work to set more of the scene. Anne and Pete did that, not me. Okay. I feel like you're putting that blame on me. I, I did put it on you. Anne and Pete. Okay, Anne and Pete. Yeah. Yeah, George. I think it's it's a tough it's tough to make the case that that was my fault. Do you think? Yeah, that was really Anna Pete's B- doing. Because I think that's what we're about to Anna do. Pete, do you want me to read the fucking passage again? No, I don't. They talk about Superman's daughter. The cancer are moving in. Oh, is it Superman? No, Superman doesn't have a daughter. Yes, he does. Her name is CRL. Okay. <sighs> Baby Nation, we're fine. We're not fighting. I'm here for one week. I'm here for one week. <laughs> I've seen Jack twice this whole week because we've both been super busy. It's two times too many. <laughs> George McArdle is the Princess Kent's driver. Yeah, he's chill. So. He's a chill fucking character, and I want to talk about Pete's character Bible for him because, boy, he has a rich history. You know who he reminds me of, George uh, McArdle? Who? Uh, Tone Loke's character in Blank Check. <laughs> okay. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> Only vaguely. <laughs> it's about a boy who gets a blank check from a mobster who like runs over his bike and he uses it to buy a mansion and hire a chauffeur who carries him around everywhere and he's got this really funny, like, every man sets a humor and he's played by famous 90s rapper Tone Loke. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he's a lot like George McCardell. <laughs> George McCardell is a great character. He's like this American limo driver who yeah. ferries the, this princess and like her weird UN family of royals around. Yeah. He features in the segment, Baller of the Week, or Alan Gray-specific Baller of the Week, which we call... Mr. Gray will see you now. Mr. Gray will see you now. It's just behind this door. (laughs) What door? My playroom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's supposed to say, what is? (laughs) What is? My playroom. We did it. The chauffeur, George McCardell, shows up to pick up Christy... Marianne and Stacy right. and bring them in a limo along with Victoria. They really went for it this week with the plot, Baby Nation, along with Princess Victoria to New York City for a shopping spree. Uh, shows up at Stony Brook Middle School. And to visit the UN. And to visit the UN. Where her parents were. Thank you. Now oh, now, 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 you're concerned with Lois Lane details. and Clark Kent. No, no, Daily Planet. No, they work at the Daily Planet. Right. They go to New York to visit the Daily Planet. Okay, I actually think it's the UN where princess victoria's parents work but please let me get through this because it's just it's like a a sentence i think in the dc universe they work at is this a planet in the multiverse almost certainly tanner you're such a 
fucking casual about this shit. May I please, for the love of Christ, set up this one sentence? In this planet in the multiverse, Lois Lane and Clark Kent work at the United Nations. It's not important. I'm just setting the scene for your thing. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Can I now do the thing? Please. Do you feel like the scene is set? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Can I do it? Please. Let me just do it. Yeah. Okay. They show up at Stony Brook Middle School. They're taking the girls. He's Googling. Which multiverse? No! In which multiverse? Let me just read it. I'm going to read it. Can I just read it? Do Clark Kent and Lois work at the UN? I'll figure out which Earth number it is, just so we can... I want to be thorough. (sighs) United Nations. Huh. Look, can we just put a pin in it? Anything. Is there anything I can do right now to be allowed to continue this thought? You go on. I'm going to keep exploring this. Okay, so I'll just say it to I'll just say it into the microphone. Okay. They show up. Now oh, okay, you're gonna keep exploring it, but you're also gonna make vocalizations while you do it. Okay. I'm No, you want me to keep going. Okay. Please uh please continue. Okay. George McCardell, this wonderful limo driver, shows up at Stony Brook Middle School to pick up Christy, Stacy, Marianne, along with the little princess herself, Victoria Kent, and take them for a trip to New York uh, where they're going to go visit Victoria's parents at the United Nations. And George shows up a little early, and as Marianne shows up to meet George, George says the following, Oh, hello, Marianne, George replied. I was meeting some of your good friends. The rear door flew open, and Alan Gray, the dork king of the eighth grade, leered out. Greetings! Will you shoo them all away, Jeeves, and take me to the bank so I can climb a pile of my own money? Good. That is actually good. (laughs) I was actually listening, because you were talking about Alan Gray, and I think it's a lot of fun. And it was really good. Justice Society of America, I believe. Okay. A bunch of heroes come together to do work for the UN. And I suspect that is the universe in which we are living. That's the, the, the universe within the multiverse. May I ask you a follow-up question? Yep. Was it worth it? You'll have to ask Baby Nation, you know, because I feel like they... They're the real judge and jury here tonight. Yeah, and I feel like they would probably want to know this stuff. Tanner, let's move on and continue to discuss more things that happen in this novel. Mm. Uh, it's, there's a princess. Let's let's get into that. There's a little princess. You've been JLA. Okay. All right. Can't well, tell. Okay. Unimportant. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Now he admits it. There's a princess. Vic. The, Vic. The crowned Vic. That's the, a good pun. It's a, like a car pun. There's a princess. Wow. This is the latest into a book that we've said this. This was good. G. Clean. C. Baby. B, C, S. F, F. This week. Was it not? Oh, boy, was it. It was the most pristine, the classiest babysitting fun we've ever seen. Every lettered plot of this book Mm -hmm. is about babysitting. Good, clean babysitting One of them was about Sharon's emptiness syndrome. Right, and her refrigerator-related antics. Mm. (laughs) 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 Um... Good clean babysitting fun. There's a baby for every sitter this week. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite kind of book. Problem to be solved. New, problem to be solved, but it's like new kind of baby. New kind of baby. Yep. This one's a princess. They were like, yeah. let's go for it. 
Sometimes the new kinds of babies can be a little challenging, like when yeah. they have it's like severe the, Down syndrome. Yeah, or like the baby's gonna die. Right. That's tough. This so, one was GCBSF. This though. was just all fun. Yeah. The baby's was, a princess from London, and she can't decide whether she hates or loves Americans. Ugh. She seems to love them. Sometimes she hates them. She's got a hilarious housekeeper right out of like My Fair Lady. Yeah, and a real charming chauffeur. Yeah. God, what a good book. Uh, Pete reached deep into his character Bible this week. He reached deep into the old Pete well. Yeah. And he pulled out a gem. Yeah. Now, you mentioned very briefly Refrigerator Play. Yeah. I'm curious to hear what you think of this and whether or not it's a new kink okay. of Sharon's. Would you like to describe for the new Baby Bees exactly what Refrigerator, refrigerator Play, mm-hmm. Baby or Nation. Stove Wrestling, as they say. Stove Wrestling, that's the, that's the term of art within the Refrigerator Play community. We are now permitted to say that. You have to be a member of the community in order to say Stove Wrestling. Or at least very curious about it. We say Refrigerator Play. Mm-hmm. It is Sharon and Richard Spears' fascination and sexual preoccupation with using implements from the kitchen mm-hmm. in, in their lovemaking. In unorthodox ways. In unorthodox places. In lovemaking adjacent situations. Or lovemaking situations. Yeah. That was a, actually a, a perfect and perfectly concise description of exactly what stove wrestling. Or... You were not allowed to say, Jack, yeah. now, so you may be revealing something a lot about yourself, in which case this is an open forum. Yeah. You should feel comfortable and safe saying this. No. Yeah. If you are coming out as a stove wrestling... Well, now you're saying it. No, now I'm just using your term of art. Well, no, but it seems like you're saying it. If you're coming out as a stove... Fuck. Yeah. As a refrigerator play enthusiast, that's fine. This is a safe space. Right. You should feel comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. Baby Nation, Jack's coming out. He's saying he is into refrigerator play. I'm curious. And he and because of that he's allowed to say stove rest. I'm curious. And Tanner, we're recording this in your kitchen. You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Baby Nation, I live in a Brooklyn apartment. My yeah. kitchen yeah. seamlessly transitions into my living yeah. room. For baby bees who don't know what it's like to live in New York, Tanner and I are sitting at a table and across from each other. The table is maybe four feet across. <laughs> And in the span of that four feet, Jack is firmly in my kitchen, (laughs) and I am firmly in my living room. All right, now that we've set the scene, Tanner. Sharon, I think, has a new kink. Okay. And what I'm calling it is temporal play. Oh, okay. I turned toward the street. Sharon's car pulled up to the curb. Sharon leaned across the front seat and rolled down the passenger window. With a sheepish grin, she called out, Hi, sorry I'm late, Marianne. Hi, Sharon, said Logan and Christy, running up behind me. Is everything all right? I asked. Yes, Sharon replied. I was working on my computer and I'd forgotten to set its clock to Eastern Standard Time. Christy gave her a look. The time change happened a week ago. (laughs) Well, at least I did all the regular clocks in my house, Sharon sighed. (laughs) I just couldn't believe how much time I had on my hands. (laughs) Oh, said Christy. And I feel like this is Sharon's safety net when she gets caught. Yeah. She'll like blame her forgetfulness. And that's often her safety net for refrigerator play. Right. It's like, right. oh, I'm just oh, forgetful. Oops, oops, I put a, a f- wrench in the crisper. But it's kind of this there's this there's this danger to it, and I think that's what's drawing her to temporal play here. It's just like I'm gonna purposely not set my, my back my clock. Yeah. And just like 
live in that naughty, like sexy moment where it's like, I'm an hour removed from time and like no one can tell me what to do. The gateway drug for it is people who set their like kitchen clock yeah. 10 minutes fast. If you do that, if any of you do that, Baby yeah. Nation, you're into temporal play. That's the gateway though. What Sharon is on is a whole other thing. She sets the clocks in her house to some completely arbitrary time. Sharon used to do that. Yeah. That's how she got into it. Right. But that doesn't do it for her anymore. It doesn't do it for her anymore. And you know what else she's doing now? Flicking the bean. Well, okay, that's a a thing you said. Hated it. Yeah. Hated saying it. She's pouring apple cider in her cereal. She's just doing it all. (laughs) Would you like some cereal? Uh, Sure, thanks. Gosh, I'm so sorry, Marianne. It's okay. I took the milk from the fridge and began pouring. Apple cider on mine, okay? Sharon said. Yeah. If I were Marianne, I'd be like, uh, Sharon, like, listen, I'm not here to kink shame, and I'm happy for you to do whatever you want to do, but like, don't pull me into this. In addition to all of that, this week we found tennis balls in the dishwasher, credit cards in the laundry detergent box, and... Sharon got completely shown up because the Kent family have a refrigerator in their limo. (laughs) (laughs) For, you know, when you're on the road and you're feeling a little randy. Okay. Tanner, Daniel Greenring. Yeah. I would very much like to go get a beer. Oops. What? We waited so long to do it. Yeah. Sorry, advertisers. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. You say goodbye. Tanner. Tanner. You already said it. Best Fiends is a free-to-download, casual, mobile puzzle game with literally thousands of levels that is boredom's worst nightmare. And uh, if you guys don't remember, Tanner and I have been engaging in a friendly competition uh, between my group of fiends, uh, the... Jack's, Jack's jumping jerks, jerks, Jack's jumping jerks, and Tanner's tiny, tiny ticklers. ticklers. Yep. Um, and up until now, we've had some difficulties because while I have been playing through the game at quite a clip and advancing uh, and binging on the game and advancing mm-hmm. from level to level uh, and enjoying more levels, events, and challenges that are added all the time, um, Tanner, you've tended to have trouble um, getting your phone started. My phone wasn't working, but yeah. I have gotten it to work, Jack, okay. and I've, I've, I feel like I've caught up with you in... In best yeah. fiends. Um, okay, that's great to hear. And I'm really, I'm, I'm here to engage with you on it and and talk about kind of our experiences playing the game. I do love the game. I just had a lot of phone troubles up until now. Okay, well I'm glad. But you're now back I'm in. I'm embracing it. I'm playing it. I'm having so much fun with it. I love it. Okay, well I'll start. Uh, so one of my experiences playing the game that I really enjoy is um, I really like picking which fiends to use and oh, upgrading them that. and c- building a crack team as I go through the levels. My favorite is Mordecai. Okay, that's not one. It's my favorite fiend. What level are you on, Jack? I am somewhere in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yourself? Seven D thousand. Well, okay, that's a lot. They do have thousands of levels, uh, and they do have updates 000. all the time, so you can keep playing as 70, much as you want. Yes. So yep. that's what level I'm on, and we'll, I am having a fun with it. It's me, it's Mordecai. Yeah. It's... Um, okay, that's not one of them. Well, maybe it's in the later levels. It's but, and, you haven't got there yet. Uh, it says here, what makes you want to keep at it? That's a good thing. For me, it's just, it's binge-worthy, and it's like, it's bite-sized. You can just play like a little bit for like 10 minutes uh, when you've got, when you're waiting for the something, whatever. To me, it's the feeling it gives me, if you know what I mean. No. 
Oh, just binge-worthiness. It feels so good to play. Yeah. And uh, when do you play? Only at night, baby. Okay. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Um, Only at night. Okay. Perfect. I'm starting to think that you still have not been able to get your phone started. I I really want to play more. <laughs> yeah. Jack, I do love the game. It's very fun, and we yeah. were competing, but... I have so many phone problems. Is it possible that you're f- holding your phone upside down? Tried that. Yeah. Okay. You know you can hold your phone sideways too? Yeah. <laughs> and I tried that as well because someone, I was I was on the forums. I've been in touch with the makers of Best Fiends and I just. I, this is not their fault. I can tell you. This is not their fault. And the game is so fun. Yeah. I'm so interested in playing. Yeah. Okay. Have you tried turning your phone on? Oh. There's a button on that usually on the side. What do you mean on? Forget it. Uh, download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Holy shit. That's sh- friends without the R. Best thing just lit up. Fiends. Okay. Well, this is great. Whoa. That's a lot of <laughs> notifications. <laughs> Tanner. Yes. I would like to read a passage to you from this novel, Marianne and the Little Princess. Okay. And garner from you your thoughts. Use your words of power on me. I will. Dad, I said, what are you doing here? Packing, he replied. I have to go to Wisconsin tomorrow. A huge lawsuit that's blowing up in our faces. That's a B-plot of this book, Tanner. Yeah. We haven't talked about it. Well... Yes. Marianne's I want to hear dad. what you have to say about this, because I feel like Marianne's dad, Richard Spear, is not telling a complete truth right. with this Wisconsin lawsuit travel. Later, yes, when they're talking about this fascinating Wisconsin case that's blowing up in Mr. Spear's face, and that you would think that... Anne and Pete would spend a lot of time focusing on. Yes. Here's the description from Marianne, from so-called Marianne. So-called. Hi, I replied. Are you coming home tomorrow? Dad took a deep breath. Well, I'm afraid that's what I was calling about. It seems the plaintiff, blah, blah, deposition, rutabaga litigator, peas and carrots, change of venue. No, that wasn't exactly what he said. The precise close enough. The precise words didn't matter much to me, but their meaning did. Dad was going to be delayed. Why did Marianne and Anne and Pete conspire together to censor every single clue we have as to what this big case is in Wisconsin when we know, Tanner Greenring, that Wisconsin is the home to Wauwatosa? Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, which comes up time and again in these novels. In M. Martin once dedicated a novel yeah. to everyone. Woman's name and everyone yeah. in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Don't remember the woman's name. I'm sure she's lovely. Right. And it's redundant because. Well, right. She was Woman's about. name including yeah. everyone. Yeah. Included in right. 
everyone in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. And Something now, happened there. Richard is in Wauwatosa, but that's yeah. not the only thing, Jack. Right. Richard can't keep his fucking story straight. <laughs> Marianne, I'm stuck in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. I'm going to be in a courtroom all week. Right. We're trying this big case. I can never leave this courtroom I'm in, in the right. Wauwatosa City Courthouse. Right. Still in my down coat, I took the phone from Sharon. Hi, Dad. Oh, I can't wait to see you. I'll be picking you up in a limo. Ugh, I almost said you and Don. Oh, C-plot. Don comes to visit for Thanksgiving. Don comes to visit. They keep it a secret from Sharon. Very spiffy, Dad replied. Then he dropped his voice to a whisper. You didn't tell Sharon about the secret, did you? Hmm. No. Um, on our way home, I'll tell you all about my trip to New York, Okay. Great, and I'll tell you all about the hotel conference room in Milwaukee, so you should have plenty of time. Sorry. Wait, what? You're, sorry, Richard, are you, at a, are you at a conference or are you at a courtroom hearing? Uh, uh, Mr. Spear, Because I'm getting mixed messages. Uh, yeah. Mr. Spear, can I approach the bench? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay, wait, so hang on. I'm Mr. Spear, now, and you, Tanner, are Richard, are you bench. saying... Now... Yep. <clears throat> so are you... Hang on. <clears throat> are you busy... This whole week in Wauwatosa at a court hearing, or are you busy at a conference? Because now I'm hearing something about a hotel conference room. Well, are you saying the this very big and expensive and timely, resource-intensive hearing was held in a hotel conference room? A huge lawsuit is blowing up in our faces. Mm-hmm. That's what you told your daughter, too. Right, and I told her to keep the secret. And keep the secret. Mm. But apparently you spent a lot of this week in a conference room. Sorry, I'm a little mixed up. (laughs) What was it, Mr. Spear? We're still quietly approaching the bench, right? So none of this is... This is off the record. Discoverable. Whatever you want. (laughs) Listen, I work for a law firm in Stanford called Hart, Mudge, and Whitman. Sometimes More like hot fudge and whipped cream, am I right? Hot fudge and whipped cream. (laughs) And that's all you need to know. Another good Pete moment. Listen, I just want to wrap this up with a bow. Are you Jack or Richard? I'm Jack. Well, sometimes it's unclear. You have a hard time getting out of character. In general. Yeah. I just want to wrap this up with a bow. Yeah. Richard Spears suddenly had to fucking leave to jet off to Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. For like three weeks. And he says, (laughs) a huge lawsuit that is blowing up in our faces hot fudge and whipped cream we don't know that who else richard spear and pete the scholastic lawyers i don't know it's sure. blowing up in their fucking faces the avery family from making a murderer also except in wisconsin mm-hmm, mm-hmm, could have been mm-hmm. that yep maybe that's what Anne was trying to fucking smooth over when she dedicated she was like maybe if i dedicate a book to all these people they won't fucking go into litigation and of course, right, Australian socialist economist right. David McMullen. David McMullen, to whom this book is dedicated. Yeah, is David McMullen from Wisconsin? Uh, David McMullen is an Australian socialist economist. Uh huh. You just said his name. Now let me see. I'm gonna. <gasps> oh wait, no. Ten or Google's. I'm looking up polar opposites. Map. Antipodes. Antipodes? Antipodes. Map. I think it's Antipodes, though. No, that's like... It's Antipodal. The, it's like if it was a Greek philosopher, his name is, would be Antipodes. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's Antipodes. Antipodes. It is Antipodes. Antipodes. 
So I'm on antipodesmap.com. Wa Wa Tosa, Wisconsin. If you were sitting in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Oh, smart. Smart. And you tunneled directly through the Earth's core out through the other side of the world. Do you know where you would be? Where David McMullen is situated? Middle of the Indian Ocean. Huh. Near Australia in the cosmic sense, (laughs) but thousands of miles away from Australia in the middle of the southern slash Indian Ocean. Okay. Should I look up New Market Ontario? Oh, no. I was thinking that you shouldn't. New market. Okay. Guess. What's the antipodal? Baby Nation, if you were to tunnel through the air's core, Mm -hmm. come out the other side from New Market, Ontario, you know where you'd be? Middle of the Indian Ocean. Middle of the Indian Ocean. (laughs) Hundreds of miles off the coast of Australia. Well, so we need to send... Baby Nation, if any of you live in or near the middle of the Indian Ocean... Yeah. Send us a tweet. Mm-hmm. A There's distress a signal. Here. There's a little island. Okay. What is it? It's called the French Southern and Antarctic Lands. Okay. Baby Nation. iTunes is not great, as we've talked about in the past, at giving us demographic data. So we don't know how many of you live, if you live on the little Port island. If you live in Port Francais or Port Jean d'Arc. Right. Which I imagine sorry, is Sorry, sorry. If you live hundreds of miles off the coast of Port Au Francais or Port Port Jean d'Arc in the middle of the Indian Ocean. I assume that's what, like five to 10,000 listeners? I don't think anyone lives here. Well, why are we spending all this time talking to them? You oh. tell me, man. Okay. You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> You're the one who's doing all this antipodal shit. I thought it was important. Okay, well, it wasn't. Can we okay. move on? Yes. Tanner, I feel like we haven't talked about the elephant in the room here. This book, as we have discussed, was good, clean babysitting fun. It was mm-hmm. fun. It was funny. It was beautifully written. It was mm-hmm. perfect in every way. Mm-hmm. It was exquisite. I would describe it as exquisite. I would say that the prose style was not just impeccable, but revolutionary. Are you humming while I'm talking? It was... Warming. There's no. something... About, <clears throat> Warming up. Okay. It was. It was something that was... Not just a fun read, but something that inspired me to do better, to be better, to be a better person. Are you? I, I'm trying to engage I'm doing with you. Vocal exercises. Well, I'm trying to engage with you. I'm getting ready to sing. Oh Jesus! Well, you know that singing is not allowed on the podcast except under very special circumstances. What I'm trying to say, Tanner, is that this. It's not just one of the best Babysitter's Club books I've ever read. It is one of the best books I have ever read. And whoever wrote this book must be a once-in-a-generation, if not lifetime, talent. Okay. Ooh-wee-ooh, I look just like Peter Larangis. Uh-oh, and you look just like Sweet Pete. I don't care what the other ghost writers say. I don't care about that. Thank you, Baby B. Thomas, for submitting that. Lorangus Moment theme song, set to the tune of Buddy Holly by Weezer. Uh, Lorangus Moment, Baby Nation, is a hit segment where we talk about the moment in the book that we are reading on a given week where we realize that it could only have been written by. Babysitter's Club Ghostwriter. Sweet. Sweet Peter Larangis. Peter 
Lorangus. The moment we realized we were nipple deep in a sea of sweet peat. The moment we realized we were kissing on those sweet peat feet. Yeah. This week. I never turn to the back. I just wait. I wait to see if there's a sweet, sweet peat moment where I'm inhaling the sweet scent of sweet peat's sweet, sweet feet. And it came this week. Um, here's what I got. Mm. This is the moment where... God, baby nation, you should have just heard all the outtakes we just did. <laughs> it was like 15 minutes of outtakes. <laughs> and I won't say what we discussed, but it was gross. It was bad. Libel. It's, yeah, it was libel. <laughs> Maggie, can you just stop sneezing and making noise? Sweet Pete's feet, if they were autonomous beings, yeah. could each sue us. And, well, they would if they weren't too busy running away from us. Yeah. <laughs> Jenner, may I please tell you my Laurentius moment this please. week? Pete put his stamp on this book. He put his best foot forward. He put his best foot forward. Mm-hmm. When to speak to your interests. We were first introduced to the Kent family, who call up the Babysitters Club in a meeting. Yes. Uh, after Christy adorably and wonderfully has every day put the, a babysitter's club flyer in the mailbox of the new family who moved in next door to Watson into yep. a mansion yep. and also walked by their house with other babysitter's club members wearing babysitter's club t-shirts, which yep. is apparently a thing yep. every single day. Also wore them in New York the entire time they were there, just in case any yeah. paparazzi happened to catch a picture of the young princess out and about the town. Right. The nanny, Miss Rutherford, calls the babysitter's club. The name is Kent. We are seeking a companion for an eight-year-old girl. The child has lived her life in England and is new to the States entirely. She will be attending Stony Brook Day School. As she is not boarding, her contact with other children will be limited. In the interest of a comfortable acclamation, you see, we thought the child would benefit from an older sister figure. The child? What a way to talk about a daughter. I wanted to scald her, but I held it in. Instead, I gently asked, Well, um... What's her name, Mrs. Kent? Seer L, obviously. Right, Seer L. The girl who was sent back by the future Smiths. Seer L, yeah, Superman and Lois Lane's daughter. And in a different timeline from Kara. Yeah. Superman's cousin. Yes. Right. Okay, can I, is there any chance I could just continue reading from this? If you, if you must. May I approach the bench? Yeah. Um, I'd like to continue reading from this and and without interruption. Can I just clarify really quick? What? Okay. Also, my Laurentius moment, so I'm very excited to hear you read it. <laughs> okay. Yep. And, and you think you can contain that excitement? Sustained. Sustained. The child? What a way to talk about a daughter. I wanted to scold her, but I held it in. Instead, I gently asked, well, um, what's, what's her... Oh, you, I was thinking that you could sorry, let me sorry, read sorry, it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yep. I just got excited. I recognize, and I don't know if we're allowed to reveal this in discovery. I think that's the technical term. But for the stenographer? Yeah, for the stenographer. Ma'am, but when we were, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. This is off the record. This is off the record. Don't record this. But ladies and gentlemen of the jury, when I approached the bench, Tanner revealed to me that this was also his Laurentius moment. Objection? Yeah. Leading the jury? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sustained. Yeah. Okay. I beg your pardon? Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, no, no. I get to re- still read it. Okay. I beg your pardon? <laughs> you should have said that in a British accent. Actually. Oh, I beg your pardon? I asked, what's her 
Did you say Mrs. Kent? The woman chuckled. Oh dear, I'm not who you think I am. I'm the nanny. Oh, I could feel myself blushing. I'm so sorry, Mrs. Uh, no need to apologize. My fault entirely for not introducing myself. And it's Rutherford, Miss Ursula Rutherford. I'm, um, Marianne, I squeaked. Miss, too. Marianne, Miss, too, Miss Rutherford said, rolling the R and pronouncing the I like a double E. Lovely. Sounds like the title of an Egyptian love song. (laughs) Well, you seem like a reasonable young woman. Could you come for an interview tomorrow? You know what else it sounds like the title of? What? The hit. 1997 game mm, miss two two riven the sequel to mist you're not wrong <laughs> now is Anne having some fun with us here sorry Anne and pete because we're in the middle of a laryngeus moment by the way beautiful laryngeus moment mine as well here's what she's done she's introduced a jack character right in vic Victoria. Okay, you think that's a Jack character? She's obviously appealing to Jack. She's trying to find something that Jack will latch on to. Right. And Jack requires a little more finesse. Right. Anne and Pete needed to find some way to get Jack into this book. Mm -hmm. So they introduce a whole character that is a Jack stand-in. Right. But they know all they need to get Tanner in? Yeah. Just a quick mention of Miss Two. (laughs) Riven. The sequel to Mist. Anyway, they spend about a fourth of the book assuming Marianne's name is Marianne Mistu and that she is Egyptian. <laughs> Pete, Pete really went for it. That's and then the Kents reprimand Ursula Rutherford yeah. for getting Marianne's name wrong. Yeah. Tanner. Jackie. I think I'd like to end this week with a final segment. That is important for us to cover this week because I literally shed a genuine tear at this book. It is a segment that is called V. (gasps) (laughs) Tearful. God, we were so in sync. So in sync. It's nice being in the same room, in the same interfacing. Tanner, did you cry this week? Yes. There is, I feel... One clear line throughout this book that is a tearful line, and it is the B or C plot, which is that Sharon Spear, nay Porter, Marianne's mom, is really missing Dawn. And I'll be missing. Oh, oh no, 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 it's not a singing. It's not a singing time. It is not a singing time, Tanner. It's not a time for singing, Tanner. I said the word missing. Please let me get through this. Sorry, can I just take another run at that? Because I said I'll be missing you, but it's I'll be no, watching you. No, it's I a think. very difficult thing I'm trying to do. Is it? Is it I'll be missing you or I'll be watching you? No, it, I'm, it's a very difficult thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to explain this. Tanner, please, for the love of God, let me explain this. I'll be watching. No, it's I'll be it's I'll be missing you in the PDD version. It's I'll be watching you in the Sting version. The police version. Yeah. Okay. Can I? Yep. Can I? Okay. Sharon is missing. He's Googling something. I'm not. I'm not Googling anything, man. Okay. I'm like, I'm filing my taxes. Good. You know, it's it's March. You're filing your taxes in the middle of our fucking podcast. It's March. You got to get ahead of that kind For of stuff. For the love of God, let me just. Baby look. Nation, you got to get ahead of it. Here's Okay, may I approach the bench? Yep. Your Honor, 
Yep. Is there any way I could just lead up to this fucking segment and then we can get the fuck out of here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but I need your cooperation. Into it. Your honor. Yep. By, by which I mean attention. Yep. He's looking, still look, you're still looking at your Sorry, it's just these taxes. Yeah, off. okay. Good? Yeah. Okay. Can we, may I regress from the bench? Regress away. Okay. Sharon. Please. Porter. Please proceed. Sharon Spear, nay Porter, is missing the fuck out of Dawn. She's missing her so badly. Yep. And it's kind of creepy and weird for Marianne because Sharon has started calling you. Marianne. You're not paying attention to me. I am. That's important to me. It's important you to me. You said missing. She was missing It's you. important to me. You can't attention to me. I, can't wait till that day when I see your face again. Can't wait till that day when I see your face again. He looked up the lyrics. No, I song. didn't look up the lyrics. Nothing. Okay. You just, now you've read the lyrics, do you think you can pay attention to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Should we do it? Yep. Let's do it. Let's practice. Look at me. Yeah. Okay. Stay looking at me while I talk. Yes. Okay. Let's keep practicing. Yep. Marianne is the daughter of Sharon Spear. Sharon Spear misses her daughter, Dawn. Other daughter. Lives in California with Disneyland daddy. Good. Got it. Got it. Sharon is calling Marianne daughter and having Marianne call her mom. It's weird for Marianne. Yeah. That's Seems the C like plot. just yesterday there. You used to rock the show. Okay. Now you're just reading the lyrics the again from this. I'm, I know what you're doing. It's far from hanging on the block for dough. Notorious. But... They gotta know that. Although that's difficult and weird for Marianne, Marianne arranges for Dawn to come and visit as a surprise to Sharon. Yep. Tanner, I would like to hear your tearful moment, and then I will read to you the ultimate tearful moment from this book that is related to that surprise. Tanner, would you like to begin, please? Thank you. I guess I've been kind of a nuisance lately, Sharon laughed. We all react differently to loss, Marianne. I suppose that I tend to wallow in it. Looking at photo albums, trying to live in the past. I thought of the trip to the mall. I thought of all the ways that Sharon tried to fit me into Don's mold. I still wasn't happy about it. I still wish she'd see me as me. But I wasn't mad about it anymore. When Sharon spoke again, her voice was low and subdued. When it's real, feelings hard to conceal. Can't imagine all the pain I feel. No, now you're just Give reading from the fucking thing again. Anything to hear half your breath. I know you're still living your life after death. Every step I take, every move I make, every single day, every time I pray, I'll be missing you. Thinking of the day. Oh, okay, you're just gonna continue. When you went away, what a life to take. What a bond to break. I'll be missing you, Don. That's what she said. Thank you. Tanner, can I take a moment to thank you for your cooperation today? <laughs> yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Every step. No, 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 no. I didn't ask you to sing. I was just, I wanted to take a moment. No, no, no. Hats to Faith Evans. Okay. I did want to take When Sharon spoke again, her voice was low and subdued. You know what, Marianne? If you were gone, I'd do the same thing. You would? Sharon nodded. That's the way I am with people I love. I can't help it. Oh boy, forget it. My eyes just flooded up. I gave Sharon the biggest hug. The photo album slid off the table. It fell open to a page of photos from the wedding reception with Dawn and me clowning around for the camera. Sharon and I sat there rocking slowly over the images until our eyes were dry. Fucking beautiful. Us in the six. Let me read you, Tanner. Shop for new closing picks. No, I didn't. Okay. 
sorry. You and me taking flicks. Okay, how about a compromise? You read the the lyrics to I'll be fucking watching you by the police. Give me anything to hear. In your mind. Half your breath. Tanner, what about a compromise? You read it in your mind while I do my terrible moment, then we get the fuck out of here. You can read it in your mind. Okay, I'll read it in my Don't mind. Don't say it out loud. And I may say it out Do loud. Do not in any way say it out loud, because this is a very heartfelt moment. It's we'll just... Do, oh, I got an idea. No, no, no. It's bad. We'll do it under you. I'll do like a no, bed under you. Don't like it. I'll do a bed under you. No, because this is a very moving scene, and it's going to be you. No, I don't want that. You want people to take your scene seriously. It's very moving, and it made me cry. Okay, but one of us is going to edit this, and we're definitely going to put every step I take underneath <laughs> it, so... <laughs> your loss. Go ahead. All right. How about keep it fucking quiet? Yes. Quiet. <sighs> quiet. And let me set the scene. Let me set the scene before you start, okay? Mm-hmm. After Marianne realizes that her mother is suffering because she's missing Dawn, she arranges for Dawn to come and visit as a surprise. That's the scene set. You may now begin. And keep it fucking quiet. I'm going to back up from the mic. Okay, keep it quiet. George zoomed to our house in record time, probably so we could emerge into the fresh air faster. As we walked up the lawn to our house, George, Dad, Victoria, Miss Rutherford, and I formed a kind of wall in front of Dawn. Sharon greeted us at the door. Hi, everybody. Oh, and especially you. She gave my father a big hug and came eye to eye with Dawn. What? What? Da, Dawn? How? Oh! My baby! Forget it. Her face went completely red. Tears misted her eyes and a big, big smile lit up her face. She practically pushed Dad aside. She gave Dawn such a big hug it lifted her and her suitcase off the porch. Hi, Mom. Dawn squeaked. Lovely, Miss Rutherford said. She was actually crying. Her mascara was already streaking. Dad was beaming. We miss you, B.I.G. R.I.P. Biggie Smalls. Tanner, I was thinking we should get the fuck right out of here. Beautiful moment. Sharon, Mrs. Dawn, we all miss... B-I-G. Yeah. Jack, let's get the fuck out of here. Please, let's get the fuck out of here. Baby Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please review us on iTunes. If you want. Yep. Recommend the show to a friend. Share it with a friend. If you want. Baby Nation, this week we read a book that was called Marianne and the Little Princess. Next week, Baby Nation, we're reading a little book that is going to be called and has been called and will always have been called and is a book called Oof, I just I just got caught I just I got, feel like the the need to clarify it makes it feel like it's not true now. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I just Has got, it not always been called this? I got stuck in it. I got nervous. I wanted to wrap Will up. Will it quick. not always be called this? We're way over time. I need to get home to my wife and child. I panicked. Mhm. The book, Tanner? Mhm. The name of the book is Happy Holidays, Jesse. Yep. Next week. We're reading that next week. Happy Holidays, Jesse. A Christmas book for a March record. Yeah. It's perfect. Happy Memorial Day? What's in March? Nothing. Yeah. March of the Penguins? Sure. <laughs> the Ides of March? <laughs> Happy Ides of March, Baby Nation. It's Jesse's holiday book. Yep. Next book that we're reading is called Happy Holidays, Jesse. Take another run at it. 
Baby Nation, we're going one more run at it. Next week, we're reading a little book. It's called Happy Holidays, Third Jesse. Run. Okay, you ruin it every time you talk underneath yep. it. Yep. Okay, you know that, though, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, it makes it impossible to get, one a clean, more. get a clean cut, right? One more. Happy Holidays, Jesse. That's four. Yep, good. Thank you. Tanner, I'm Jack. My name is Tanner. Claudia's wearing a bra now, the way she talks. You would think that boys had just been invented. You sometimes when you're smiling sweet Pete's feet, you, <laughs> <laughs> you set me up, huh? Okay, I, you put the ball on the tee. It's funny you for us. me the driver. <laughs> it's funny for us. It won't be funny for me editing this because I'm cutting out anything that has to do with. Uh huh. Yep. Because it's not a podcast. Not a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could put it in the outtakes. Heavily bleeped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll put it in the outtakes. Heavily bleeped. Uh huh. All right. That was a headgum podcast.